Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So yeah, I'm Bella. Um, what, what's going to happen is um, I'm going to talk about the Bible, like what's, what we're um, looking at the passage today, and then I'm going to hand over to Noah and see how that can apply to our lives. So just pray that it flows. Um, so as December begins, we're starting our series looking at the names of Jesus, as described in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But for today's talk, I will be focusing in on Emmanuel, God is with us, and how this is explored through Isaiah 7, 1 to 14. Now I'm going to do a bit of audience participation. Um, so let me ask you, put your hands up if you like the name you were b- born with. Yeah, that's a good, most of you. So, now, would you be happy if you were christened with these names? <laughs> yeah, neither would I. I mean, they just clearly had some quite ambitious parents, I'm thinking. <laughs> so what's in a name? A name defines you. It differentiates you from others. Within your working environment, your status is defined by your title. Assistant, senior assistant, boss. A name means something. And in Isaiah, we hear that one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now let's look at the circumstances surrounding this promise as I read the passage. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shezeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool, on the road to Launderer's Field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart, because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, um, and of the son of Ramalia. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have blotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among us, and make the son of Tobiel king over it. Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you do not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, 
Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So I don't know about you, but that was quite a confusing passage. I kind of only got the last last line. Um, and so like, I had to practice that a couple of times. So I made a map for us all. Um, and it kind of explains this passage a bit clearer. Well, for me, it did. Um, so 2,000 years ago, Israel was divided. Jerusalem was under attack by its own brothers and sisters to the north. Ahaz was king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Rezin was king of Assyria, and Pekah, the king of Israel. Rezin and Pekah had come together against the southern kingdom and were about to invade Judah. <laughs> king Ahaz is scared of the power and might of these kings and lacks faith. Yet Isaiah intervenes as a messenger of God, telling Ahaz that he is not to worry. It shall not pass, shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. So as I reflected on this verse, I could see how clear God's assurance is in this passage. There aren't any terms or conditions for King Ahaz to follow. He doesn't have to prove himself to God. God simply recognises Ahaz's fear, stating, keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. Because God's presence is eternal and he offers Ahaz unconditional protection. In fact, our God is so in tune with the fearful and doubtful nature of humans that God tells Ahaz to ask for a sign. What I find interesting about God giving Ahaz a sign is that sometimes we think of the Old Testament God as a God of judgment and our New Testament God as a God of grace. But this invitation by God shows the Old Testament God as a personal God of the second chance, a God of grace. Because God sees that Ahaz has attempted to trust the other kings, he offers Ahaz a sign to make it possible for him to believe in God, showing how God's grace here towards Ahaz reflects the unconditional grace God shows to the whole of humanity through the incarnation 700 years later. The sign, then, is a message delivered from Isaiah and seems to me to be the most prominent part of this verse. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I think here God shows Ahaz that he is completely in control. He shows himself as a transcendent and personal God. A God who sees forward in time and understands the whole of the universe, but also understands the intricacies of the human heart. He gives Ahaz a sign and tells him not to be afraid because he is with him. But then to further reassure him, he says that his own son shall have a miraculous birth and his actual name will be Emmanuel. God is with us. Ahaz gives Ahaz a promise, not that his troubles will go away completely, but that God would be with him. I think what we really need to focus on, however, in this promise is the promise that Ahaz rejects, the promise that God gives to the whole of humanity, that one day we will see God in flesh, living among us, with us. 
As it says in John, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that is literally what happened. The word that God gave to Ahaz in his darkest time comes true, alive in Jesus, because our God keeps promises. So, a bit more audience participation. Hands up, who's ever prayed an Amazon Prime prayer? And by that, I mean next day delivery. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> what about three to five working days? <laughs> now, who's been waiting years for a prayer to be answered? Ahaz was waiting 700 years for the promise to be fulfilled. So, although it might seem like God was taking a while to fulfill his promise and be with us, and by a while, I mean 700 years. What we must hold on to is the fact that when our prayers align with God's plan and his will, his timing is perfect. As Galatians 4 verse 4 states, when the right time came, God sent his son. And when Jesus is born, Matthew tells us, this is him. This is Jesus. The answer to all our prayers. This is God with us. See, God's delays are not always God's denials. He has a plan, and in his perfect timing, he will fulfill that plan. And it was the right time. For Mary, it might not have felt like it when she received the news, but in order to fulfill prophecy, it was. You see, Mary planned to marry Joseph, and then probably have a child, but God had a different plan. The child had to be without sin, so he needed a perfect father, and the only father that could be was God. And in order to fulfill prophecy, the mother had to be a virgin. In human time terms, the timing probably couldn't have been worse. Mary became pregnant before she was married, and Joseph wasn't the father. Besides being rejected by society, the law said she could be stoned to death. But God was with Mary through all of this, and she gave birth to Emmanuel. She was blessed, and his birth fulfilled prophecy. Not only does Jesus' birth show the fulfilling of prophecy because his name was Emmanuel and he was born of a virgin, but when reflecting on this, we can see how Jesus' birth offers intimacy between God and us, allowing Jesus to be with us eternally if we accept him as our saviour. I think what's really important when understanding God is that Jesus came as a helpless, tiny baby. This is because through the birth of the baby as the Messiah, God shows himself as a personal God again, understanding our human hearts completely. Through Jesus' birth, God made himself vulnerable. Yes, he came as the Messiah, and he did proclaim this, but he came in vulnerability, not in fiery and power, as some who mistook Jesus coming as king thought he might. What's amazing is this, by coming as an innocent child, God does not force his love onto people. He says he will be with them whether they accept him as their saviour or not, but he does not force his love upon them. You see, our God is a relational God. He knows that if a child is forced to love their parent, they will not form a relationship of love, trust and intimacy, as in caring for one another. So God came in childlike form so that we would accept him first as our saviour because what God wants for humanity is to be with us in our hearts. 
In the passage with Ahaz, God attempted to stop the king of Judah from agreeing to the evil deeds of Rezin and Pekah, but rather asks Ahaz to trust in him and his perfect plan. In much the same way, through Jesus' birth, God asks humanity to trust in him, to overcome the evil in the world, of the world and start a new, sinless life. Jesus' birth, like all births, represents new life. The new life we experience when we say we will trust God. The Bible teaches that when we take this step, we are born again. We are given spiritual life, a life that never dies. As John discusses with Nicodemus in John 3, when we accept Jesus as our saviour, we too are born again. Not in the way that we re-enter our mother's womb, but we are born from above. And the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, by the spirit, and becomes the living spirit. God offers us, like he offered Ahaz, a second chance, but this time for eternity. Yes, he says life may not be problem-free. It might not be plain sailing, but that he will always be with us, helping us through our trouble, intervening and answering our prayers at the right time when our prayers align with his perfect plan. I pose the question, what is in a name? In the name Emmanuel is the promise that God is with us. Life is not a solitary experience. It is starting and sharing each day with God. I'm just going to invite Noah up now, um, and he's going to... Um, so Noah's going to um, intru- like, see how this applies to our life, how we can start sharing our life with God. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I'm going to start with a, a quick story. I've at times felt lonely, rejected, and lost in this world. I have, and I'm sure all of you guys have too. One particular memory that sticks out to me in my head was when I first came to Manchester with my mum and sister. Making friends in a new school is never easy, but when I did, it felt great. This particular day, when I had arranged to meet these new friends at the park, they decided it would be funny to all stand me up. Yeah, oh. Yeah, here was an instance when I first understood that some characters are not what they seem. Yet, when we compare this to the character of God, we can hold strong to the fact that we have a great heavenly father that will never stand us up. Yeah. But instead, he will stick with us throughout everything. Whatever your experiences with relationships on earth, we know that God is with us. Although we have this great truth, though, I think sometimes in our heads we can maybe have doubts. Sometimes we think maybe God is absent or maybe, yeah, not really present in our lives, as this is what culture and media is constantly telling us all the time. We see that God is nowhere, as that's what we're being told in, around by media. Yet, when we reflect on these ideas that we've heard from Bella in Isaiah, I ask you, What do you see God's character as? Do you recognise him as the outdated, judgmental and absent God? Or do you recognise him to be powerful, relational and the present king in our lives who came to us as a child at Christmas? What is so amazing is that this infinite God 
became an infant child. God put on human flesh. Because of Jesus, because of Christmas, everything matters. We, are, we have been looking at what Jesus' names are, but what does this mean for us today in our lives? Sometimes this idea of God and all these numerous names can be a bit overwhelming to us. I searched online and found this very reliable source of ChristianAnswers.net and <laughs> here found out that God has 955 names and titles. I don't know about you, but remembering someone's first name is a struggle. 955 seems a lot. But I think, I, I think we can see from this that God sees the fallible nature of names. With a singular name that could maybe be confused or dismissed by different groups of people. Yet he caters to every single one of us and demands recognition with these different names. The crazy thing is, half, or many of these names were given to him even before his birth as a child. We, um, this shows that as a Messiah, he is at least someone to look out for. He is foretold of having a great destiny. In Isaiah, it, we see that it is pointing forward to this great Jesus and how the people yearned for him to come. We should maybe look at ourselves and see, do I have that same desire in my life? Advent is about that hunger for the world to be made right, for the pain to be defeated, and for sin to be over. We can sin, see this sin and pain in the world all around us. So, do we recognise that power in Jesus' names? Do we know him personally? As this is proven throughout the entirety of the Bible, God is faithful past, present and future. As God's word says in John 1.12, to all who believe him and accept his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's why these names really matter. The name of Jesus matters. So I encourage you to switch the mindset of those avoiding that hunger from inside of you. And I want you to come and know God's name today. I urge you to follow through and see all the good things that Jesus brings. Choose to know Jesus more this Christmas. So, do you think you always do the things you promise? I always promise that I'll tidy my bed, but I don't. Does your room look like this? Yeah. If we can all be honest, I think maybe we tell a few lies here and there. But we intend to do what is true. As Paul says, For I do, not do, uh, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Yet we see from today's verses and in the rest of Isaiah that there are many specific prophecies that are all fulfilled. So from this, we can see that not only is God keeping his promises, but he's keeping the promises that were made before his birth as Jesus. In total, there is around 300 prophecies of this Messiah Jesus, and every single one of them were fulfilled. This displays that God is a pretty trustworthy guy. <laughs> this should instill, again, this sense of confidence in us for knowing that this is indeed the right Messiah. And the truth of Jesus is good enough, good enough for us to put our faith in and follow even today. 
We can be confident of his presence in our day-to-day lives, for we know he does all he says he does. As it says in chapter 41 of Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. With this knowledge, we can go against anything. But simply comparing these promises and fulfillments to other world faiths, we can also be confident that it stands up. We see, looking at the other faiths, that that their prophecies fulfilled in comparison to the Bible seem a bit underwhelming. The Bible predicts occurrences hundreds of years in advance, whereas the others fall a bit short. In one of the songs we sing, Who You Say I Am, by Hillsong, it says, Who the sun sets free, who is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. So in acknowledgement of this great revelation, at Advent, I urge you not only to focus on this hunger from inside, but to rekindle a new sense of excitement for him. Rest in the fact that his promises will and always will be true. Pray into it and just simply grow more in his likeness. Learn of his love through the Bible. Have no fear over anything because God is in control. Sometimes, maybe though, things don't really go the way we think they go. Um, and maybe um, we're not really sure um, like why God is allowing this to happen. But we must recognise that there is a bigger picture and the Lord will use that for good. He is present and he wants to know each and every one of you. Yet, why is there suffering still? Why is there hardship? And why are Freddo's 25 feet? Um, there are these, these are all valid questions uh, that can be seen in regards to life as a whole. Yet, we can still find comfort. Looking at the Bible passage we read earlier in Isaiah 7, and also through what Bella talked about, we should not worry because everything is under control. As his names tell us of his nature, his fulfillment of the prophecies prove this nature, and despite what many people think, God is active and present throughout our world and in our lives. Our God is sovereign. Our God is able. I think we can easily, though, fall in the mindset of those who fear. Like Ahaz, we as humans have a nature of doubt and questioning. But God recognises this and he comes down to us each individually, giving us signs, assurance and evidence of his presence in the world. One of the greatest examples of this is Jesus, who came down, and this is why we celebrate Christmas. When it comes to pain in the world, I think we need to take an approach, looking to Christ to see him as an example. Despite fulfilling all the prophecies and having this wonderful nature, it didn't fit in with the way people thought God should be. The Pharisees rebuked him. The people rejected him. And he was not this warrior king that people wanted. However, I think again we should apply it to our lives. With our limited knowledge, we do not know the whole grand story in which God works through us. Suffering is indeed a very real thing. 
And we are told this is indeed a fallen world, and we should recognise it for that. Yet, do not despair. We all know that this is indeed a temporary and passing thing. Through all trials and life challenges, God will be with us, and we are never alone. At the heated debate in college and work, with family or friends, God is with us. In the financial crisis, God is with us. And even in this harsh political climate, God is with us. He is forever present and works in ways we cannot fathom. So, looking at this great Advent narrative, I hope more now so than uh, more now and in the next few weeks, we all reach out to Jesus and go reach for that hunger to know his name even more. I hope you recognise the great fulfilment that was in the Bible and that can be seen through Jesus. Because of these names, we can cast all anxiety, all stress and all suffering aside because Jesus has dealt with it. So, in this Christmas season, will we stay hungry, seek more of him and wait for his presence this Advent? So, now, after we have heard about this great new child, I hope we can maybe all approach the question I posed to you at the beginning. What do you see God as? Do you buy into the lie that our culture tells us, that God is nowhere? Do we see him as a distant God? Do we see him lacking power, who doesn't prevent suffering, or do we see him for his true nature? As the relational God, who we can trust to be present every single day. As Madeleine Engels says, there is nothing so secular that it cannot be sacred. And that is one of the deepest messages of the incarnation. I'm going to invite the band back up and I'm going to leave you a relieving message. Let us remember that God is now here. Jesus has come and God is now here. Let us pray. Dear God, may we not get caught up in the complexity of the world and the false narrative being spread by culture. May we know the one true story of Jesus Christ. I pray that everyone here is filled with a newfound excitement for you, your words, and all the power behind it. May we cast aside any anxieties, any struggles, and instead be lights for you in our day-to-day lives. In your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.